I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We got the band back together this week, and uh, Russell's actually in studio with me here at Broadcast House in downtown Salt Lake City. It's good to be back. Uh, it's a few days before Christmas as we record this, and so it's about time for you to start your shopping, isn't it? Um, this is, you said this was Thursday. Oh, I get lots of time. <laughs> Christmas is the 25th. It's Wait. only the 22nd. <laughs> Navidad, Navidadskis is also here uh, in uh, Kaysville. Good morning. Good morning, Tim. I had to ring your bell because uh, you, with school out of session, I think spaced the fact that we are going to uh, record today, I think. You know, I spaced date and time. Of the alarms on a hiatus, I don't even know what day it is. I just look at the weather and decide where I'm skiing. Yeah, that's the life I want right there, and you will, <laughs> you will have it soon in retirement. Uh, you suggested our next interview, and uh, I'm going to let you set up why. You rave about this uh, app that you have on your phone, and it is not an exaggeration. And, Rush, you've probably heard him say this before, that he plans his life, at least this time of year, yep. around where the snow is sure. falling. yeah. Where's the deepest snow? Where's the powder? And and he relies on an app to do it. Tell me about that app. Well, you know, I don't know what apps are or anything like that. I got it on the computer at, at work, and then um, I just look at it. Okay, so, look, everybody knows I live in Utah for skiing, right? Yep. And I watch the news, all of them. I tape them all, and I look at all the weather. And I, it makes me cranky because I go, we got more bad weather coming. That means it's going to snow. <laughs> oh, it's going to be awful. Hopefully it warms up soon. Yay, high pressure. You know, I hate that. It should be the opposite. Good weather is when it's snowing, and bad weather is when it's not. That's what I think, and I can't believe they say that stuff. So my son who, as you know, shreds and lives to ski, too, hooked me up. He goes, Dad, you need to follow this. You know, I think it's open snow. So he gave me the link because I'm stupid. And <laughs> I live by it. I have all my favorites plugged in, and it comes in an email, and I look at everywhere, and it's so precise. that, And it's it's by the hour. I mean, like, I'll know in the morning it's going to be good there, in the afternoon it's going to be how many inches here, how many inches there. And it's the most accurate I've ever – I mean – blows away what they do on tv if you're a skier you have to have this and you have to know where it's going to be good and when to plan your days off and when you're going to get a sick day and all that all right you right. you've now chewed up about two minutes of time that i right. was hoping to talk with <laughs> evan thayer uh who is one of the contributors to open snow how did he do evan was that a, was that a good endorsement 
That was a great endorsement. Absolutely perfect. And it sounded a lot like my life, which is living to ski. Yeah. Uh, what makes a difference in how you guys forecast? Run us through some of those things, because uh, Navi's told me before about, you know, reading bu- uh, ocean buoys and things like that. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I think it starts with our team. And our team is all skiers and boarders and people who are obsessed with weather. And like you set up, like, our good weather is normal people's bad weather. We want it to snow. And so when we set out to design this website, Open Snow, and our apps, we wanted to forecast the best snow conditions for skiers and riders who are chasing powder. And so what we did is we used available supercomputers that take in literally billions of sets of data and run four, five, eight times a day, you know, and we take all these supercomputers and we contextualize it. We put it into our own algorithms that forecast snowfall at every location, every ski area around the world. And we provide the best data using our algorithms and this available model data so that skiers know when the best conditions are going to be. Yeah, and it's funny, uh, as we record this week, getting ready for Christmas weekend, uh, and you'll be listening to this interview again just before the new year. Navi, you you were texting and, and emailing back and forth, I think, with Mickey, probably texting, because he's getting the snow this weekend. We're not. And so you knew through uh, open snow that that was exactly what was going to take place. You know, he lobbied to move Christmas. We have family Christmas together. and He says, Dad, we're going to be up here because look at, look at this place. Look how much snow. They're going to get 20 tonight, and we got to come here. Let's change Christmas. And we actually debated following it, but we decided to come home. Yeah. How many contributors in all, Evan? Uh, we have about, uh, I would guess, 12 to 15 forecasters around North America who write text forecasts and blogs and then we also have a team of about nine people who work on both the meteorology side and the development side of our open snow website and app and together we you know it's a small team so we all have wear a lot of different hats but together it it works and we we are able to come out with what we feel is a really good product did you guys see and i guess since we're talking about accuracy you probably have did you see the kind of snowfall that we've been getting here and what do you attribute that to we always talk about in terms of el nino or la nina um but what do you attribute it to and did you see it coming uh the simple like the simple answer to that is no i didn't see it coming i mean we talk about El Nino and La Nina, and where I live in Utah, those aren't really good indicators of how good the season is going to be. We're kind of a mid-latitude that can do well or can do poorly uh, in either of those. So there's not really a good indicator. We saw it coming once it was showing up in these models within 10 days, but really it's down to just luck. Like the pattern has just set up so far this winter in which that the entire western United States has been favored for active storms and a lot of snow so so the simple answer is no i didn't see it coming but once it shows up in the models and once it's within 10 days i can forecast it and i can tell you when to take a sick day (laughs) (laughs) yeah navi's always looking for those sick days although he's going to be retired soon so he's going to have a lot of those Uh, is that pretty much your window though 10 days yeah you know 10 days is about when we can generally tell whether it's going to be stormy or not as we get in closer to five or six days we can start getting into the nitty-gritty of it's going to snow you know early in the day and it's going to the temperatures are going to be like this winds are going to be like this so 
it's kind of 10 days for the general. Is it going to be stormy or not? And within five days, we can start getting into like those details that really, you know, define when the best conditions are going to be. I'm fascinated by this buoy thing, and I know I keep going back to it, but what, what kinds of information are you getting? Is it water temperature? Is it something else that it's reading? Yeah, it's everything. I mean, it's water temperature, it's wind speeds, it's wave heights. Like, all of these things in the ocean, they contribute to what, you know, builds storms. And the jet stream comes from west to east right across the Pacific Ocean and right into the west United States. So getting all this oceanic data is imperative to making these forecasts. Navi, you uh, were telling me last week that you have a little higher level of subscription to this. Um, and I don't know, describe for our listeners what that entails. Well, it's the highest level he offers. Um Again, like I say, the actors say, how high that buoy off of Kauai goes up? You pretty much can count it like 12 days later it's going to be here. And so I kind of, my, my son says, Dad, I got a guy who's a great predictor, and I started following it, and he sent me the links. And then I just kept upgrading my system because, you know, how we were skiing Banff and Whistler. So I needed to know everything. And, and I want real specifics, you know, that what. Everything he's got on his maps is so good. And like he talked about, the morning is going to be better than the afternoon. And so I just went nuts. Whatever this man can give me, I'm buying because it, he's so accurate. <laughs> Maybe you should be selling other things, Evan. I don't know. Um, what, what, what does that uh, subscription uh, level look like? Can you describe that for our listeners and where they can find you? Yeah, we have two levels of subscription. One is a uh, just under $30 individual subscription for the year, and that will give you full access to our 10-day forecast. It gives you access to all the written forecasts of all our forecasts. So those are super personalized. For example, I'm the forecaster for Utah, and every single morning I write a forecast that ranges anywhere from five to ten paragraphs detailing what's coming up in the next few days and then what the long-range forecast looks like. So you'll get all of that with that subscription. We also have another level, which is a group subscription, just $10 more, and that's up to four people can get on that. So then your entire family or several of your friends, it's a very, you know, cost-advantageous solution to get a group subscription. And that's that's for a whole year. That's for a whole year, yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, Navi, you need Evan's number so that if he's going skiing, you know it's going to be a good day. <laughs> well, he, like I say, he updates almost every day. And my son, you know, and Mickey, will he'll send me a text, Dad, have you seen the forecast? And I go, yes, I have. I just read it. So, yeah, I mean, it's perfect. It's Whatever it costs me is worth it. So I had no idea what I was paying. The app, uh, app that is, is probably available wherever people get their apps, isn't it? That's right, yep. Or you can just go to opensnow.com to get more information. We'd love to reach out to you from time to time and get regular forecasts, uh, Evan, if you're up for it. But uh, we can talk about that later. In the meantime, we'll just wish you a happy new year and lots of powder. Yeah, happy holidays, and thank you. Opensnow.com if you want to uh, look it up or get an app. That's That's great. It is good stuff. Uh, Navi, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and have some fish bites. How's that sound? Sounds great to me. Stay with us. More of KSL Outdoors Radio just ahead. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and 
get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. for a little fish bites here. I just want to remind everybody, because I didn't mention this, that um, right after the top of the hour, I'm looking forward to uh, checking in with the Division of Wildlife Resources. And Navi, you weren't available, so I handled this uh, interview on my own. But we look back at some of the record uh, set uh, fish records in the state of Utah, and it's fun to go species by species, including spearfishing. And see where some of those records fall. You laugh. There's some no. monsters that have come out from spearfishing this year. Utah doesn't allow scuba with with in, spear in, guns, do in, they? In some places. Do they? Uh, there's archery and there's yeah. spearfishing. But anyway, we'll talk yeah. about it yeah. right after the top of the hour. All right. Uh, where are we going with fish bites today? Well, we're going to talk about a, a maligned little f- friend of Utah, okay? Yeah. And that's the whitey, the whitefish. Oh, yeah. Okay, so look. This poor guy has such a bad name in only certain circles, definitely not in fly fishing circles. So let me talk about the wine fit, the whitefish, Prosimian Williamsoni. Okay, he's native to Utah, and he lives in our rivers here, and he is a benefit, not a hindrance to the fishery. Look, I I find people all the time who are angry at him, like. Yeah. Oh, whitefish, like they somehow degrade. They're like fish bigots, okay? Yeah. Let me tell you about the whitefish and how important he is to our ecosystem. Um, why is the Weber River, the Provo River, why are they such outstanding fisheries, the Logan River? It's because the whitefish actually exists. And I watched one guy, this was 100 years ago, but he, he caught a white and he punted it. Right. And right. I was so angry. I don't know who this guy was. I've never seen him in my life. I went right over to him and I'm like, Went off on me. I go, what are you doing? You know, right. and he just said, well, I hate whitefish. They're trash fish. They ruin the ecosystem. No, the opposite. Let me tell you, these guys are coming on right now, and that's why I chose this time of year to talk about them, because he's going to start spawning uh, in January, and it'll last through February, and the fishing is phenomenal because of what they provide. So what they're doing right now is pooling, and most most fish, trout anyways, spawn up in the riffles, in the shallower waters. They create a red, R-E-D-D, and then they lay their eggs. But the whiteys go to the deepest part of the river. And that goes back to their evolution because sometimes the Weber River, without those dams, you have to imagine completely dried up. So just the puddles that are left is where they drop their eggs. And they drop an, an, a, a whole bunch. I didn't really say an exceeding amount, but a lot, like 12,000 eggs per sack. And the reason why is because they need two to make it. So they drop so many eggs in hopes that two make it. But what happens is that egg is forage for our fish. So why has the Weber River got such huge fish? Why are they it's good fishing in the winter? This is why. Because they put so much protein into the water that it far surpasses the aquatic protein they can collect. 
So it's very, very healthy for the fishery. So these guys are beneficial to our fishing. And by the way, let's talk about them as a target. Don't underestimate catching a whitey. No, it's true. Whitefish can't jump. <laughs> yeah, but, can. but they have shoulders, which is fly fishing vernacular oh, for means they pull hard. And they fight hard. And they just rattle, rattle, rattle. And by the way, nobody cares. Anyway, if you're an angler, what what you're catching as long as it's fun to catch. Yeah. And then and then they're big. I mean, they're really large fish. And they're. Oh. I don't like them because you can't eat them. The opposite. These are by far the best tasting fish in the river. Really? And if you don't believe me, take some home. I like to smoke them. You wrap them in dill, leave the skin on, and just smoke them hard, and then pull the skin off and get some crackers and some salt. You're gonna love them. They are absolutely delicious. Now. You have to understand they do collect mercury, so don't want to eat a hors d'oeuvre. Whitefish is phenomenal, and we have a whole bunch of them, and our rivers are really clean here. And because of that, that purity of the water, the, the fish is phenomenally tasted. Yeah. It's just a great thing to do. But then again, you're taking advice from a guy that likes to sit in a barrel at 200 degrees. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you know what, that Mike? gives me credibility. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't was... undermine my credibility. <laughs> I love it. It was one of the first things that, Somebody told me, I'll leave them unnamed, when I came to Utah was, oh, don't throw those trash, don't throw those trashy-looking white fish, hit them, hit them on a rock. The, the birds will come and get them. Bad rumor. Don't, don't put them back in the water. Mm. Nah, just the opposite. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick as we wrap up here, uh, tell me two things that are great gift ideas for uh, a fisherman in the family. I know you always throw a net in there. No. Yeah, I was going to say that again. Yeah, good. Um, a nice fish uh, fly box. You know, anglers are always looking for flies until their box is just so loaded they can't put any more in. Get them a nice, pretty fly box so they can clean up their fly boxes. That's always a great gift. All right, good idea. That's going to do it uh, for this first hour of the uh, KSL Outdoors Radio. We're going to talk more fishing after the top of the hour, and I can't wait to share a conversation I had already this week. And we'll look back at some of the uh, fish fishing records that are now on the books, both for catch and keep, catch and release, spear fishing, uh, bow and arrow, archery. So a lot to talk about. We'll do that. Plus, we will also go uh, look with a look back at last year with the boys doing a little road trip with Bob and Mark. We'll head up to um, Alta. Andrea Huskinson will join us and... Craig Gordon has promised he will join us as well. We'll talk about avalanche danger leading into the new year. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.